Good morning, Watermark. How's everybody doing? Dallas, Plano, Frisco, we want to welcome you in. I'm just kidding. They're not watching. We don't, we don't even have cameras in this room. They're missing out. Oh, it's so fun to be back. Hope you had a wonderful time uh, over the break and maybe some more things you're looking forward to with the New Year's Eve and New Year celebrations coming. But one thing for certain right now, this time of year, is people are starting to think about what do I want my 2019 to look like? What do I want to see happen there? And before I started this whole ministry thing, I was in the health club ministry for about five or six years and know for factually that there are lots and lots and lots of people that uh, when they look at the year ahead, they want to see change in their health. They want to see change in their physical fitness. And so that's probably true of a lot of you here in the room this morning. And there's some stats that are just really fascinating to me. And that's that uh, moving into the next month, uh, there will be about 60 million Americans start a health club membership. 60 million Americans who want to see themselves get a little bit stronger, a little bit tighter up in the year ahead. And so they're going to join the health club with these big aspirations of what's going to happen as they pursue that over the next year. And what's even crazier is that out of that 60 million people, they are going to spend $33 billion on health and fitness aids and supplements. $33 billion to see a little bit of change come about in their life over the next year as they want to get healthier. A lot of that is people are looking at doing things like the keto diet or Whole30 or whatever the newest fad is that you're going to look at this year. Uh, But the most interesting stat of all uh, will come with uh, some bad news for you who are looking to see some change this year, but I'm going to follow it up by giving you some good news. The bad news is this, is that 80% of you are going to fail at accomplishing your resolution this year by February. That does not look hopeful for you. But here's the good news coming is with very uh, much ease, I'm going to tell you how to be a part of the 20% that sticks with it. And it's really quite simple. For those of you who your resolution is that you want to get stronger, you want to exercise and get more physically fit this year, there's only one thing that you have to do for you to be in the 20%. You know what it is? Work out. Like it's, it's not that complicated. If you want to be a part of the 20% who desire to exercise and get fit, the only thing you have to do is consistently work out. If you're wanting to start a diet plan, you want to try to trim up and lower your cholesterol or blood pressure or whatever it may be, the one thing that you have to do this year in order to see that happen is some of this. Here's the secret. Eat healthy. Mind-blowing. I know it. It's like, how do people, how's that? Not like 80% succeed. And it's this. I think the reason why there's so many people who don't succeed in their resolution um, is because even though it's not complicated, it takes work. Like you, you can't just desire for it to happen. You actually have to put in the work 
to, to see it happen. I think there's another reason. I do think some people start out with a desire for it to happen, but by January 15th, they haven't lost the 20 pounds that they wanted to lose, and so they give up because we live in an instant gratification society, and it didn't happen fast enough, and so they abandon their pursuits. But I didn't come here this morning, and I didn't show up wanting to talk to you about how to get fit or how to lose weight. I came here to talk to you about something that's going to have far more significance and impact on your life, which is this year helping you realize and helping you uh, come to accomplish what I believe all of you would desire, which this year is to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus and become more like him. And there's one thing, one thing that you must do in order for that to happen. And that is to engage with the Bible. Okay, I know what you're thinking right now. Okay, pastor. I know what this is. This is the January read your Bible message. And you're right. It is. <laughs> kind of. But here's the deal. Uh, I want to start off by telling you, I don't want you to read your Bible a single time this year. As a matter of fact, I think that's one of the most pointless things you can do over the next 365 days is sit down and read your Bible. And here's why. Because if you are reading your Bible without the right purpose, you're not going to see growth come from it. You're not going to grow in your relationship with Jesus. I don't want you to just read the Bible. I want you to engage with it and specifically to engage with the Bible for the purpose of growing in your relationship with Jesus and becoming like him. This is why we talk about this every single year. This, this is so important because I think a lot of us desire strongly to come to walk closely with Jesus and to become more like him but we all too often overlook the single thing that's actually going to move us towards uh, seeing that happen in our life, which is engaging God in the scriptures. And so I don't care how much you exercise. I don't care how much you diet. Those things may change one thing, one aspect about your life, but those things are not going to make you have a better marriage. Those things are not going to help you deal with your anxiety when you think about what do people think about you and you start to get crushed by it and find your worth and your performance, those things aren't gonna help you. Whenever you're struggling with being content in your singleness, diet and exercise aren't gonna be the solution. Whenever you're trying to figure out how to navigate trials in your life of a hardship, needing wisdom on how to have a hard conversation with somebody, how to handle a situation at work, you can go to the gym twice a day, every day. It's not gonna help you. But there's one thing that will, engaging the scriptures, engaging the Bible for the purpose of becoming like Jesus and, becoming into a, and coming into a closer relationship with him. And so we're going to spend our time this morning uh, asking and answering three questions. The first question is, why should we engage with the Bible? The second is, why don't we engage with the Bible? And the third one is, how do we, uh, how do we engage with the Bible? And so we'll dive right into question number one, which is simply, why should we? Why should you engage with the Bible this next year? So I want you to play along with me for a second. I want you just to pretend that there is a God who created everything. Like he knows everything. He built this world exactly how he wanted to. He designed how it would function. He determined how mankind is supposed to relate to him. He determined how mankind is supposed to relate to one another in a way that brings life and joy into people's lives. He then went on record and like 
wrote down on paper that's been preserved throughout the course of history his exact thoughts and wisdom for how to navigate all of these things. I just want you to pretend like if that was true and then he did all this so that he could have a relationship with you and help you navigate any situation that you're going to encounter in this life. If that were true, wouldn't you want to know him? Like, wouldn't you want to access that relationship to learn from him, to be led by him? Wouldn't you want to? Of course you would. You, you either, the reasons why you wouldn't is you either think it's not true and so you just don't do it or you're crazy. That's it. Because if that is true and it is, the only thing that we would want to do is to engage with the Bible that he's given us that contains everything we need as it relates to life and godliness. In the Bible, the Bible contains the very words of God and it was put together. God has gone on record with what he wanted to speak to you for you. And he, he's given it to you. It's, it's widely available. Our, our issue with not engaging with the scriptures is not an issue of, of possessing it. The average American home contains four Bibles, not to mention the fact that most of us probably have it in who knows how many different versions available to us right here in our technology. And so it's not a matter of possessing God's word. It's a matter of engaging it for the purpose of growing in a relationship with him and becoming more like Jesus. And so God tells us this in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It is in the Bible alone that we find specific and direct communication from God to us. And that communication has a, a purpose to teach us, to teach you, to train you, to correct you when you begin to stray off the path and to help you train for living, living a life of righteousness, which is the only place where you're going to find the joy and peace and hope that you're looking for. It, through accessing it, is the way. Engaging the Bible is how we grow. That's the first point. That's the answer to this question is we engage the Bible because it's how we grow. Because it's where we find our relationship with God and his instructions for us on how to navigate this world. It's not only where we, the Bible's not only where we receive direct and specific communication from God, it's also where we directly encounter Jesus Christ himself. You're not going to be able to encounter Jesus anywhere else in the way that you would in the scriptures. And what does Jesus call all of his disciples to do? It's to follow him. Well, how are you gonna follow somebody that you never encounter because you never engage the Bible? You can't. We see this, we can look at Matthew chapter four, verses 19 through 22, where Jesus calls his first disciples and he tells them, hey, this is what it means. This is how you're going to learn from me. This is how you engage in a relationship with me. And it says that as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, 
casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And over the course of the next three years, these men, along with some others, spent nearly every waking moment with Jesus, and it radically transformed their lives. Because they got to personally witness Jesus' teaching about, the, about how to engage with the poor, about what it means to pursue the kingdom of heaven, about how to handle worry and anxiety, about how to steward God's resources, all these other things. They were personally with Jesus to hear his teaching. They got to see him engage with the poor. They got to see him engage with persecutors. They got to see him engage with religious people who lived a life apart from a relationship with God. And through that, they learned and became like him. And in the same way, the only place that you're going to be able to encounter Jesus and follow him and learn from him in the same way is through the scriptures. It's through engaging your Bible. And so I know many of you have heard this before, and sometimes it can fall on deaf ears. So I don't want to just talk to you about why in terms of theoretically why you should follow. I want to share with you Lizzie's story. Because in Lizzie's story, you're going to see the fruits of what happens in someone's life when they choose to engage with the Bible for the purpose of growing in a relationship with Jesus and becoming like him. This is Lizzie's story. She says, I first came to Watermark trying to fix my husband. She said, we signed up quickly for Equip Disciple because I thought it would be a good thing uh, to help fix my husband. But like most things, I realized that God had something better for me in it. She says, I remember walking into the first night of Equip Disciple and sitting at the table feeling nervous yet fairly confident about my Bible knowledge. She said, I thought it'd be a fun class to do with my husband to recover from a rough season, but then a task was laid out before us. Spend seven consecutive days engaging God through the word and memorize five verses word for word. She said, for someone who has never done this before, I was definitely intimidated and quickly became humbled about where I was spiritually. So Lizzie had been going to church faithfully since she was about six years old, but yet had never actively engaged into a relationship with Jesus through the Bible. She said, I didn't have the discipline or a constant relationship with God, but through Equipped Disciple, it led me through a semester where I wrestled with what I truly believed and grew in ways that I couldn't have imagined. Walking in to fix my husband ultimately led to fixing my relationship with God through learning how to engage with him through the scriptures. And through doing that, God also very kindly saved my marriage as well. She said, for most of my life after my parents' divorce, I've been plagued with anxiety. I had no idea how bad it was until recently when I became healthy. I would get knots in my stomach daily and constantly overthink things and verbally process in a way that it really affected my marriage. Within a matter of four short years, she said, I had developed a marriage that was full of anxiety and resentment. 
She said, it wasn't until I learned about the spiritual disciplines and really began to engage with the Bible to build a relationship with God that I discovered the damage and hold that sin has had on our marriage for so long. She goes on to say, when I started to abide or remain in God's word every day to grow in a relationship with him, my anxiety went away. Within a matter of months, she said, I was a new person. And the peace of God that people would talk about when they were saved finally made sense to me. She said, I had often watched and envy of the faith that people had, but now I understand what it means to be a new creation and to find peace that surpasses understanding because I find it through engaging with God in the Bible. Then she said, we still struggle with life. Infertility in particular is something we have had to wrestle with and through, but equipped disciple has given us the tools to wrestle well. It has given us the disciplines to abide with God in the Bible daily and the scripture to rely on to help us through our struggles. She said, by learning to be disciplined spiritually, Joseph, her husband, and I understand what it means to find rest in Jesus. His burden is light, not because the circumstances change, but because through those circumstances, we walk with him through engaging in the Bible. She said, I couldn't be more grateful for Equipped Disciple because it's the avenue that the Lord used to help us develop a deep and meaningful relationship with him through teaching us how to engage with God in the Bible. Isn't that a great story? Isn't that what you want for this next year? The way that you're gonna get it is not to attend weekly services and then leave here unchanged. It is gonna happen because you are consistently and daily engaging with God in the Bible. That's why uh, we engage with the Bible. The uh, second question is this, why don't we engage with the Bible? And the answer is that we don't engage with the Bible because of three reasons, because of pride, insecurity, and laziness. Pride, insecurity, and laziness. Pride is the first one. uh, And it's really this, just having too much confidence in oneself. And what that means for you who are here today is that you'll come in and we profess with our mouth as we sing and everything else that we believe who God is, that we trust in him, but then you will walk out of this room and you will live for the rest of this week like a functional atheist. Meaning that all you, although you say one thing about God, you live as if he doesn't exist. And you will live your life independent from him because you were so proud and think that you can do it on your own. And I don't think any of you likely would just outright say that, but I think if you were to look back and examine your Monday to Saturday, it's possible that that's true and that you need to realize that even though you might not have caught it at first glance, that your pride is keeping you from growing. Your pride is keeping you from engaging the Bible. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. The saying, pride comes before the fall, comes from this proverb. And what it's saying is, hey, you're welcome. You You can go out there and try to live independently from God. But when you do, trouble's coming. And I think you know that to be true. Because we try to live independently uh, from God. My uh, daughter just turned three years old on uh, just right around Thanksgiving. And so this is the first Christmas that she really has known 
what is going on. And so we do our best to uh, set up the right perspective of what Christmas is. It's all about Jesus. We sing happy birthday, Jesus. We read the Jesus story and talk about why we give gifts. And then we start giving out the gifts. And it's like pure mayhem. Lila kind of knows what's going on. And every box she opens has some new amazing treasure inside of it. But then there was one gift that she got to is when she tore off all the wrapping paper there was much more tape on it than normal. So like all of us have that one person in our family who's a little overzealous in their packing and their, and their wrapping of presents. And so it was so packaged up that uh, she just like struggled. To, she couldn't get it open as she was looking at it and turning it around. And so me being dad to the rescue, I said, hey, Lila, uh, let me help you. I can open it for you. And she looked at me and said, I do it. I do it. And I said, okay, okay, you can do it. I'm not going to help me. She said, no, I do it. And so she goes back and wrestling with it and she just doesn't get in. All the while, there's like an amazing abundance of fairy princess treasure on the inside that she's missing out on. And I realized that I am living in a girl world. But she finally gets to a point where she realizes that she can't do it on her own. And she says, daddy, help. And I said, no, you said you do it. No, you got to do it. And I said, give it to me. And very quickly, I opened it. And all the treasure that was on the inside now belonged to her. And she got to experience it. And the reason I tell you that uh, is because when you allow your pride to get in the way of you opening this book and engaging with it, to grow in a relationship with a father who loves, loves you, you are missing out on all the treasures that he has for you in the context of a relationship with him. And if you're not willing to pick this up and to engage with it for the purpose of growing in your relationship with him, you will never see the growth in your walk with him that you want to. You will never see the freedom from your addictions that you desire. You will never experience the peace that you're so longing for in the midst of your anxiety. Don't let your pride get in the way. The second thing that will get in the way of you engaging the Bible is insecurity. Insecurity is really just fear, like fear of failing, fear of somebody seeing you in a way in which you don't perform well. And because you feel like you don't perform well, you, they think less of you. And because your identity is wrapped up in what other people think of you, your self-worth drops and you're just just plagued with insecurity. And most often than not, we tend to avoid the things that make us insecure. And as it relates to engaging the Bible, this one is my story. Insecurity kept me for so long for engaging with God through the Bible. And it all started, I think, if I can look back when I was about 13 years old. When I was around uh, 13, the church that I was growing uh, up in, as part of becoming a, a member there, you kind of went through these classes. And as part of it, like there were like quizzes, which is interesting. If you want to become a member here, we will not give you a quiz. So don't worry. Don't be anxious. But there was a quiz. And from that quiz, I only remember one question. And I think I only remember one question because of how it made me feel. And the question was this. Uh, it was two parts. Um, how many books are in the Bible? 
and write down the names of as many as you know. And the reason that I remember that question is because initially it made me feel really, really smart. I said, I got this. Two books. Old Testament and New Testament. Yes. Felt great about myself. But there was a guy, his name was Andrew, sitting next to me. And he was writing so fast and so furiously that he had to have like the greatest hand cramp known to man. And like the stuff on his page kept getting longer and longer. And eventually curiosity in about five seconds, curiosity got the best of me. And so I'm like, I'm going to look at his paper. I know I'm in church, but I'm going to look at his paper. And so I peek over and at the top, it said 60 six books. And I thought, what is he talking about? And I started looking over and I see all these names. And I think the first name that I saw on there was like Amos. And I was like, that's not in the Bible, but he looks confident Amos. And I wrote it down. And so like, but like, and the thing is like, I never told anybody about that until today. Welcome into my life. I was so insecure. Like I felt so bad that you know, I had attended church some growing up and I didn't know what I was supposed to. And because I was insecure about it, I avoided this book like the plague. And then it only continued to grow. When I was in college, I attended a few Bible studies with some guys who uh, were good friends of mine who clearly knew more Bible than I did. And we would get there. And I remember this like every single week, the, the person who was preaching would say, okay, today we're going to be going through a lesson uh, in the book of Matthew. And all of them would just quit, like, wham, like open their Bible right to where it was going to go. And I'm like, Matthew, okay, I know there's two books. I don't remember that being one of them. But I would like, in order like not to show everybody, because I was so insecure about looking stupid in front of them, um, I would tuck my Bible underneath the table and I would like rattle the pages to make them think I knew where I was going. But I was really opening up to the table of contents saying, where is Matthew? Oh, page 771. There are 771 pages in this book. And I would go to it and act like I knew what I was doing. And my insecurity grew. And outside of that room, I continued to avoid the treasure that was contained in this book like a plague. And then a few years later, I came to trust Christ, actually understand the message of the Bible and that it was for a relationship. And I began to read a little bit. But then I showed up at this place called Watermark. I went to the fellowship program over at the Dallas campus. And I was feeling a little bit good. I was spending time in the scriptures most days of the week. I was going into this pastoral training program. And, uh, and then like I'm instantly surrounded by all these people who I think had the Bible like written on their brain when they were born. And I'm like, where did these people come from? And uh, I walked into staff prayer like during the second or third week of uh, the fellowship program. Staff prayer is what we do every week on Tuesdays. The staff gathers together twice a week. Now it's the four staff together. And then the other couple times a month, we drive over and we're with like the 200 staff members from all campuses. And that particular day, Todd came in and he says, okay, today um, I'd love to hear from a couple of you what specifically you're learning from God in the Bible And then I'm going to call on a couple more of you to share. And I bowed my head and folded my hands. And I said, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, (laughs) far, far away from here. (laughs) 
Dude, I was so nervous. And I didn't get called on. But it was crazy. Like, I was so insecure about not knowing it. And it, uh, the thing like, that's interesting to me about that point in time is like, I was, I was engaging the Bible like I was learning, but I was still was just not confident in, in how I was able to engage with God through it. And then on September 28th, we started in August. On September 28th, I read something that drastically changed my life. Something that I read in the book of Proverbs. I was part of my reading plan then was going through a proverb of the day. There's about 31, or there is 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's about 30 days in a month. So you do the chapter that matches up with the day. And on September 28th, I was in Proverbs chapter 28 and I read verse one and it changed everything about how I viewed engaging with God in the Bible and helped me overcome my insecurity. And Proverbs 28, one says this. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. And what, as I journaled about that and talked to God about that and prayed, what I realized was the only person who was keeping me from growing in my relationship with God through the scriptures was me. It was me. No one was out to get me. No one was chasing me. It was my insecurity that was keeping me from this amazing, life-changing, peace-giving, joy-filled relationship. And I made a commitment that day that I was no longer gonna sit silent in fear of looking stupid or asking the wrong question. I said, if I have a question, I'm gonna ask it. And I'm gonna invite people in to help. And six years later, somehow, I'm pastoring a church. That doesn't make sense. And I don't share that to say anything about me, but that in a relatively short amount of time, if you will open up this book and engage with your God who loves you, it will change everything about you. It will be the most amazing thing you ever experience. Don't let insecurity keep you from that relationship. That verse also changed my life in another way. It says the wicked flee when no one is pursuing and so I no longer run for exercise. It is pretty amazing. (laughs) Y'all, so that fell completely flat in first service and I said I wasn't gonna use it but y'all did it a little better. So thanks for humoring me. But don't let insecurity keep you from engaging with the Bible and growing in your relationship with God. And then the last one, I want you to hear me say this. uh, I love you and I am for you. But the reason why you don't engage with the scriptures is because you're lazy. And I love you. But it's true. I think if we take an honest look at our lives, it's not that uh, it's super difficult or that we couldn't have the time. It's that we're lazy. It's easier to be lazy. I want a quote that I stumbled upon from R.C. Sproul. I want to share it with you. He says, why do we neglect God's word? The real problem of our neglect is not because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it's work. 
Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or passion. Our problem is that it is easier to be lazy. It's easier to sleep in. It's easier to binge watch Designated Survivor on Netflix. It's easier to go have a meal. It's easier to do a lot of other things that take no effort. Because any relationship that you want to cultivate will take effort. And it takes effort and intentionality to wake up, to open your Bible, to carve out time to free yourself from the distraction of technology and social media and invest in a relationship with your Savior through engaging in the Bible. Um, Proverbs 12, 27 is another proverb that I love. It says this, a lazy man does not roast his prey but the precious possession of man is diligence. The reason I love it, one reason, is because it's biblical support for hunting. So I'll take that whether you like that or not. Uh, but the other one is simply this, is it's, it's just the simple truth that, hey, if you don't hunt, you don't eat. If you're not willing to put in the work, you're not going to experience the growth that you desire. There is no other way. And if you don't want to be a part of the 80% of the people who fail to realize the growth in their life that they desire to see, you have to deal with your laziness problem. And no one else can do that but you. It's a decision that you have to make if you want to grow. And I don't say that to shame you or guilt you because there are seasons where it is thick in my bones to want to be lazy. I say it because it's the only way forward if you truly want to grow in your relationship with God by engaging in the Bible. Uh, there's a, a guy who I've gotten to know uh, over the past several years. His name is Jesus. And uh, he's been a part of this fellowship for a while. And two summers ago, we were investing in a group of people through a little just kind of uh, discipleship program we called Next Steps. Uh, how we did that is we took a book by uh, Donald Whitney called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, which is a rich book that talks about how do we engage with God through the Bible for the purpose of godliness. And we spent eight weeks making this investment in a lot of different guys. Jesus was a part of that. And then it ended. And a couple weeks later, I get a phone call from Jesus. And uh, he said, hey, I'd love to just get a little bit of time with you. There's something I want to talk to you about. And so we met up at a Starbucks for coffee uh, because that's where you go to have spiritual conversations. And uh, we got there and he said, what, what I wanted to tell you is that uh, I really appreciated the investment that y'all were making in me. But what I need you to know is that although I would show up every week, I didn't do any of the homework. I didn't read at all. I certainly didn't apply it to my life. And largely, I just phoned it in because I was being lazy. And I realized that I missed out on a tremendous opportunity to grow. But laziness was my problem. And then he said, but I want to ask you a favor. He said, I want to ask if when y'all do that again, if you can let me back through because I'm tired of being lazy and I'm seeing how it's holding me back as a follower of Christ. I see how it's keeping me from growing as a husband and as a friend and as a leader. And I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to change. And so I was like, of course, man, come on. And today, Jesus is one of our most, most faithful, impactful leaders in Merge and in our men's ministry. 
And it's because he decided to deal with his laziness problem and start engaging with his father um, in the scriptures. And so don't let laziness keep you from engaging the Bible and growing with your father. And then the last thing, the last question to ask uh, that we're going to answer this morning is really the nuts and bolts of it. How do we engage with the Bible? Like how do we practically, how do we do that? We can spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to give you a quick overview of how to engage with your Bible. The answer is we engage with the Bible by having a plan and having a purpose, by having a plan and having a purpose. Proverbs 21.5 says that the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Having a plan helps you succeed. I have learned this the hard way in marriage. It's important in any relationship, but especially in marriage, to carve out intentional time to spend together, uh, growing your relationship with each other. And I have found out what blesses my wife and what does not. And I do not set myself up for success when I don't have a plan and just kind of on the whim, wherever it feels like about the right time, I go on and say, hey, Lens, uh, what do you think about going on a date? And she's like, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, try again later, buddy. That's not cutting it. But when I show up and kind of have planned out, hey, Lens, I want to get some great time with you. I've got a babysitter lined up. We're going to get undistracted time. We're going to go to HG Supply and then we're going to walk along the river. I've got some questions that I've thought about ahead of time about, I know some things that you're going through that I just want to check in and see what's going on in your heart. We want to pray together. That's like, I'm set up for success in that moment, but it's planning that helped me be set up for success. And it's the same thing when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. It's the same thing when it comes to engaging your Bible. It helps to have a plan and having the right purpose. And so here it is. Here is the plan, is that you need to have a time, you need to choose a place, you need to have a text, and then you need to have a team, and you need to have a purpose. And so to unpack each of those a little bit, you need to have a time. Like, when is it gonna happen? If you just hope that uh, time is going to fall in your lap for you to engage with the scriptures, to grow in your relationship with God, it's rarely going to happen. I am of the personal conviction that first thing early in the morning before the day starts is the time to uh, carve out, to spend, to spend with God in the scriptures. Um, a friend of mine uh, has the exact, had the exact opposite conviction. His name's John Ingerbritson. John a couple years ago, we were going through this study during the summer that required us to be together at about six o'clock in the morning while it was still dark outside. And we were talking about when should we spend time with the Lord? And he said, you know what? I think it is sin to get up before the sun rises because he's like, I think God created dark and created light for a reason. And that reason is to sleep when it's dark and to be awake when it's light. And so my time is when the sun is up. And I said, John, thank you for that. Will you turn your Bible to Mark chapter one, verse 35 and read it out loud. And so he opened up his Bible and he read 
very early in the morning, while it was still dark outside, Jesus got up, went to a secluded place, and began to pray. And I walked out of the room. (laughs) Clearly, John repented because he's now on staff and he must be spending his time with the Lord. I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter when. The best time to set aside to to read your Bible is, is whatever time you set aside to read your Bible. But you have to carve it out. You can't just wait for it to fall into your lap. And then you need to choose a place. It says in that same passage that Jesus went to a secluded or a solitary place where he could give his undivided attention to his father as he prayed. And then it's also helpful for you to plan ahead and to have a text. Where are you going to be? And all the wealth of treasure that is available to you in God's word, where are you going to spend that time? And it's really hard to show up, open your Bible and figure that out on the spot. It helps to have a plan ahead of time. You're in luck, I think, in that we as a church have something called Join the Journey that Gary mentioned earlier this morning. It's a Bible reading plan that is available and that we invite everyone to jump in together. Uh, We have an app for it. You can go to the website and every morning you will receive in your inbox a uh, specific text to read a devotional from someone who's a part of our body and then questions for reflection to help you not just read the Bible, but to engage with it and hear from the Lord and apply it to your life. And so there's a text available for you right there. We're kicking off our next year of Join the Journey on January 1st. And we're going to have an amazing time going through part of the Old Testament and part of the New and seeing Jesus and how he connects and makes all of it fit together. And so jump in um, and join us for that. That can be your text. And then also you need to have a team. You need to have a team. Who are you doing this with? Who is a part of your spiritual growth team? Who are you inviting in to be a part of you? Uh, Those who succeed in that whole health and fitness Venture are often those who go with someone else, who have someone to keep them accountable, to push them along, to encourage them. And in the same way, you will be far more successful in growing spiritually and engaging your Bible if you're doing it with a group of people. And then lastly, and what I would say is most important is you have to have a purpose. You have to have the right purpose. And that purpose is not to read the Bible as an external measure of your love for God. It's not to read the Bible so that God will love you more. He already loves you to the full, like to the extent that he gave his son's life for you so that you could have this relationship with him. It's not to get your community group off your back so they'll quit asking you, have you read your Bible? The purpose, why do you engage with the Bible is so that you can grow in a relationship with Jesus and become like him. And if you'll commit to doing that, it'll change everything about your life. And so what does this look like for me? My time is early in the morning while it's still dark outside, because clearly if Jesus did it, that's the way. And I invite you to join me in that. It doesn't have to be then. But for me, it's early in the morning, either at my kitchen table or in my office, whichever one that day would provide the most solitary place for me. My text is join the journey in the proverb of the day. I throw the proverb of the day in there because Proverbs is the book of wisdom and none of us can ever have enough wisdom from God informing, informing our hearts. My team is my community group guys. 
when every week when we get together, we share, what are we reading? What's God teaching us? And we spur each other on. And then my purpose is not just reading for reading's sake, but engaging with the Bible to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And how I do that is largely through this little thing right here. This is my journal. Now, it's not like a Dear Diary journal, but this is the record of when I'm sitting down and I'm engaging with God in the scriptures of where I record the things that uh, I hear God speaking to me through his word. And then I look over them, I ponder them, I pray through them, I meditate them, and then I respond through writing it down. For me personally, writing out how I'm responding to God helps me organize my thoughts and make sure that it slows me down enough to be able to actually engage with God in a relationship. And I've been doing this since 2014 and I get a new one every year and I'm looking forward to starting a new one on January 1st, but that's what helps me make sure that my purpose stays on point, that I'm doing it for the purpose of growing a relationship um, with God. And so in summary, this is one of the most important things. This is the most important thing you will do this year in order to grow in your relationship with the Lord, to engage with him through the scriptures. We engage with the Bible because it's how we grow. We don't engage with the Bible because of pride and security and laziness. And then we engage with the Bible by having a plan and a purpose. And so I want to leave you this morning by asking you a question to make it very specific for you. As you think about the year ahead, what is the one thing that if God could come in and help you the most with, what would it be? If you can invite God in this year to help you with one thing that is hindering you the most, be it anxiety, be it singleness, be it marital issues, be it uh, sickness, be it financial hardship, whatever it may be, if you can invite God in to help you with these things, what would that thing be for you? And I want you to write it down. And then tomorrow morning when you get up and you open up the Bible to engage with it, I want you to bring that specific thing to God and do so consistently throughout this year. And I am confident that God's going to meet you there and he's going to help you and he's going to grow you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you've given us something as specific as the Bible to come to know you, to receive wisdom from a loving father for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness, where we can discover who you are, what you desire, what is your will to direct and guide our lives, how to deal with things such as anxiety and how to deal with things such as addiction and how to find freedom from things that weigh us down, that you've given us all that through your word and that you are beckoning and calling us to to, to come to you And I pray, God, that as my friends leave out of here and they open up your word, that they would indeed discover an abundance of treasure through which they will come to know you in a way that will help them trust you through any and every circumstance. And that through coming to know you and trust you and walking with you, that they would be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And as they become to look more like Jesus Christ, God, that they would go out into this world as light in the darkness bringing a message of hope to people who are lost in darkness. I pray, God, that 
we would deal with our pride, that we would deal with our insecurity, that we would deal with our laziness that keeps us from engaging the scriptures to grow in a relationship with you. I pray that this book would be the foundation through which we build our life on. Because in it, we come to learn about and discover the greatest example of love that there has ever been, which leads us to want to know you and trust you and walk with you, which is the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Help us to live out what we desire and in doing so, experience the treasure of knowing and walking with you. So we stand and sing now, God, as a response. We love you and we thank you.